day we want to enter God's presence. And I'll tell you the words, the phrase spending time with God is probably an overly familiar phrase in the religious world. But the experience of God's presence is not something we're all that familiar with. The holy God that, you know, shakes the earth and people fall to their face and they're in awe. I want more of that. I want more of God's presence in my life. And we're going to look at Acts 2 and chapter 3 of Acts and maybe see some things that could draw us into God's presence. How do we position ourselves to experience God's presence? So as we open up to Acts chapter 2 and 3, let's pause and pray. Father, we're thinking about something that is too wonderful for us to understand. That you want to I pray that you'd draw us into your presence now and that through this message we would leave with a hunger to experience your presence, to have times of refreshing come with our God. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sounds like we're just going to have a little cutout in our sound every once in a while, and you can fill in the blanks. Just pretend it's something really good I said that you missed. Like, whatever you didn't hear was the best part. So we're going to open up to Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3. And I want you to think about wildlife. You know, the, the first visual memory I have in Alaska, it was when we came to interview, my first time in Alaska, and it was in the Ted Stevens Airport, really close to the gate where we arrived. And I think my wife was using the restroom, and I turned and looked at a mural on the wall, and it had about a dozen grizzly bears hanging out in a river. I learned that that's uh, Brooks River Falls and Katmai National Park. But at the moment I was looking at it, I didn't actually know if the, the picture was serious. Like, I thought maybe it was a river and a bunch of uh, copied and pasted grizzly bears in there, because... There was one shot and a dozen bears. But I do remember getting the impression that this place that I had come to, it was wild. And now I've been here, actually this week marked two years since we've been in Alaska. And I've had the opportunity to experience a little bit of that wild for myself. Most of it, uh, most of the wildlife encounters I've had have been, been coincidental. I'm driving along and they just walk right in front of me. But there are some people who are expert at actually finding those wildlife and positioning themselves to experience them, like those who hunt or take wildlife photography or guide tourists around glaciers or these things. They know the tips and tricks to actually position themselves in the right spot, the right time of day, uh, the right gear to better experience the wildlife. I was reading one of these articles this week about these tips and tricks. From It was written by two National Geographic photographers, and their combined experience was 64 years taking pictures of wild animals. And they listed out several tips. But in the first paragraph, they said this general statement about experiencing wildlife, and I think it's quite profound when we apply it to experiencing God. They said... Wild animals are going to do what they're going to do. Unfortunately, you can't ask them to look this way or do something cute or stand there in the 
or stand where there is better light. You have to be there and ready when they decide to look cute or do something interesting. So as a wildlife photographer, you might get the right gear, and that positions you to experience them. You might go at the right time of day, and that positions you. And you might study up on their feeding habits, but you're not going to be able to go out there and say, hey, bear, over here, come here, bear. And in a very similar way, on just this one point at least, experience is like this. It's big, and it's beautiful, and it's thrilling, unpredictable and beyond our control. I can position myself in a, in a way that I might more likely experience God's presence, but I can't dictate when God shows up and how much of him he brings and what he tells me and put a time on my calendar and say, God, this is your presence time. I'm going to tell you how to, how to behave. We can only position ourselves to experience a God who's beyond our control. Now, I feel a lot better doing that with God than I do with the grizzly bear. So it's not like a, a dangerous, uh, wild experience, but it is a experience to be in the presence who's able to speak worlds into existence. In Acts chapter 2 and 3, I, I see a pattern, actually, between the two chapters, and I'm going to highlight four things. I hope you can see it on the screen. That's the whole sermon right there. These are ways we can position ourselves to be in God's presence. So I could tell you, spend time with God, and that's a great message. But then we leave here saying, well, how do I spend time with God? What I'm going to encourage you, rather than saying, oh, I've got to spend time with God, is live in a way that your lifestyle has practices that put you in a position where you might experience God more likely. Because we aren't in control of that experience. And I see these four things in both chapters. The first is to show up where you expect to meet God, like you did today by coming to church. Show up in the place you expect to meet God. Acts chapter 3, they are showing up at the temple. In the first verse, we see that Peter and John went to pray, and they went to the temple to do that. Well, the temple is a place you might expect to meet God. There's a lame man there, and he came to the temple, and being at the temple where people come to worship is a place you might expect to meet God through kindness and charity. Those who saw the miracle that was about to happen, either they were really close to the temple, or they also were coming to the temple to worship. So they didn't know what they'd experience at worship that day, but they showed up because that's a place you might expect to meet God, coming to the temple. In Acts chapter 2, we see the same thing. There are people from all around the country who've come to Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost, they showed up for a day they might expect to experience God. Not every year was the Feast of Pentecost that exciting. There was no guarantee they were going to see tongues of fire, but they showed up in a place that they might expect to meet God. And they did. And when they, when they show up, they are doing something routine, maybe even boring, maybe ritualistic, but they're putting themselves in a position where they figure, you know, God's going to be at a place where we worship. So those, there are those places in our lives. One of them is right here. You showed up this morning. Maybe there's a prayer time that you like to have, and sometimes you don't show up for it. That's a place you might expect to meet God. Maybe there's a small group or a prayer meeting or a Bible study. 
or something in your life that you could say, if I want to experience God's presence, well, that would be the place to start. Just show up where I might expect to experience God. And in both stories, they had no idea how God was going to show up. They just came. So I don't, I saw a moose and two calves earlier this week, and they're beautiful. They're just on the side of the road. And it's not uncommon to see that. But I can't guarantee that if I go out right now, I'm going to see that. And I can guarantee that if I stay in those closed, I'm not going to see a moose. I don't expect to see a moose hanging out in my bathroom. If I want to experience that thing, more likely, I should go where I might expect they would be. So this is first first piece with God is, He's given us some places to go. He's given us a Sabbath. He's given us times of worship. Show up to those things in your life. Maybe you'll meet God where you'd expect to meet him. But not every experience is like that. Sometimes we see God in places we don't expect. And that happens in both these stories. God shows up. This is number two. So number two would be to look for meaning in the strange experiences where you don't expect to meet God. So show up in the places you do expect to meet him, but then there's some strange things in our life where we just don't think God's going to be there. Look for meaning in those things. The strange experience in chapter 3 is this man was lame, and he was healed. That caught their attention. In both chapters, there's some miraculous thing that catches their attention, and once they're curious, then Peter preaches to them. So their their attention is caught by a lame man who's healed in chapter 2, Their attention is grabbed by a rushing wind that fills the room and tongues of fire coming down on their head. And then the believers speaking each in their their own language. The people heard them each in their own language. So there was a striking, strange thing, a way that they did not predict they would experience God. When they went to the temple, they didn't say, I'm going to experience God through a healing. When they went to Pentecost, they did not say, I'm going to experience God through a mighty rushing wind. It was a strange experience, and here's the amazing thing, is we have options of how we respond to the outpouring of the Spirit. And we see them in Acts chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Amazingly different options we have in these two verses. They were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. There's two different ways they responded. One group got curious and said, this is strange. What does it mean? Maybe God's here. Another group saw the same outpouring of the Spirit, and their attitude was dismissive and said, they're just drunk. There's nothing to see here. I think maybe we ought to just let the profound, the profoundness of those two options sink into us. When God does something incredible in your life, have we been guilty of being dismissive and saying, I didn't expect that. I don't like that style. I don't look for God in that way. It must just be people doing crazy stuff. Because the Spirit was poured out, and some of them just went away like, oh, just another weird thing, and went on and did their thing, and they missed the opportunity to, maybe they left before the sermon started, because they didn't realize God was in that. We have two options. One is to get curious about that strange thing and say, 
What does that mean? Look for meaning or to say, that makes me uncomfortable. It must be that those people are just weird. I'll stay away from that. Well, God gets our attention, and he does it through strange things. The story of Moses, a message. Moses was walking along, and he was in a remote place, and he sees something strange. There's a bush that's burning, and it's not consumed. And then it says, this is Exodus chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. Moses actually made a decision to turn aside from whatever else he was doing and go check that bush out. Like, it was a strange thing, and a lot of us might be curious, but Moses had the option to say, there's a fire, get out of here. He didn't have to check out the bush. And I wonder how the story would have gone if he didn't get curious about the strange thing and wonder if maybe God's presence was there, I'm sure God would have spoken to him, but maybe not through the burning bush. And we see that it's when he turned aside, turned aside, then that's when God called to him and spoke. God did not call from the burning bush way over there when Moses was out there and say, hey, I'm over here. He just did something that appeared very strange and out of the ordinary, And when Moses tuned in and said, could God be here? Then God said, I'm right here. So think about the strange things in your life where you don't expect to experience God. The circumstances you didn't plan. Think about that wildlife photographer. They may have eyes trained better than me when they go on the hike. Maybe they see tracks in the mud or bent bushes or something on the trees. And it's a clue to them to say, I think I'm near the presence of an animal. And maybe there's things in our life, if we tune in, that we could see those and say, I think God is here. God works through burning bushes and mighty rushing wind. And the same God who spoke in those ways, he shows up in traffic jams, in visits to the hospital, songs on the radio, conversations with strangers, frustrations at work, difficulties in parenting. And we could just say, oh, this is life and it's frustrating and there's nothing to see here. Or we could say, that was strange. What does that mean? I wonder if God's presence is here. Because we might have just said, oh, that was a setback. Well, maybe God was in it. We might just say, oh, that was a a strange outburst of emotion I had. But maybe God was in it. We might say, oh, that was just tragedy or pain or suffering. I'm glad I'm through it. But maybe, maybe God was in that. So look for the meaning in the strange thing. The people who did that when the man was, the lame man was healed, they got to hear a sermon. <laughs> and the people who did that when there was tongues of fire, they got to hear truth come from Peter as well. And the third thing is, Listen. Listen to God and to truth about him. The pattern follows through in both of them as soon as they gave their attention. Peter didn't wait. He preached. And this is how the transition goes in Acts chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. It says, 
But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. So here's the pattern that Peter recognizes the Holy Spirit is doing. Once they get the attention, God has something to say. Peter did not just want them to be impressed by the work of God. He wanted to be, them to be changed by the words. And I think that's true. I think it's true throughout Scripture and the way God works that behind all his great works are his words. God is not just displaying things to make us impressed. He actually is a communicator. Every great impressive thing, the heavens, well, they declare the glory of God. So when God does something in your life, maybe he's healed you from something. Maybe you've gone through something and had an incredible answer to prayer. That's a work of God, but we could push in a little further and say, God, now that you've done that work, what are the words? What are you communicating to me? Incredible thing I just experienced. And I think that's how we experience God's presence more. Back to our It is not their goal just to catch, catch a glimpse of the animal. They want to capture a picture. So when they arrive at the animal, like they've hiked all day and here's the grizzly, they're not like, we found it! Okay, let's go. Because their experience of photography is just now beginning. So they linger. Because they found the presence, but they know that as they linger, they're going to get something. And I wonder if we come to God and we have a really good experience. God, I had this emotional high or this insight, and we just run away from that experience because we thought that's all there was. But if we lingered, maybe there are some words for us. Maybe God has a message in that moment, and we could say, what does this mean? And just stay a little bit longer and say, I know you did something here. I know you did a miracle in our school. What are you doing, God? What would you like to tell me through this mighty work? So we listen to God, and if you're not hearing God directly, listen to truth about God. That's what they did with Peter. Peter wasn't the voice of God, but he spoke truth about God, and through hearing truth about God, they were led into his presence. I hope that's happening right now. I hope that happens when you read the scriptures. Truth about whatever is true and noble, right? Think about these things. Truth about God puts us in a position to experience his presence. So number three is listen for truth about God, or listen to God and truth about him. Peter didn't just make this pattern up. Think about Peter's life. In fact, not too long ago, Peter had a different experience with God, and he learned this lesson of listening. Peter wasn't a great listener. So if you go back, it's in several of the Gospels, but I read it this week in Mark chapter 9. There's an experience that Peter had in the presence of God where he went up on a mountain with James and John and Jesus, and there they saw Jesus glorified with Elijah and Moses. And Peter, it says, he was so afraid he didn't know what to say. He was speechless. So he could have not spoken, or he could have said, what does this mean? And looked for meaning in it, but instead he declared his intention to make some shelters. And that's when a voice came from heaven and said, this is my son, listen to him. 
So the voice was very succinct, saying exactly what Peter needed to hear in particular. He needed to know the identity of Christ. This is the Son of God. And Peter, what you need to be doing is not building shelters. You need to be listening to him. Rebuke, because that was Mark chapter 9. If you go back to Mark, Peter stopped listening to Jesus when Jesus was talking about his suffering and started arguing with Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to suffer because I'm the Son of God, and that's what I'm going to do. And Peter says, no, you're not. And Jesus says, he rebukes him. He says, get behind me, Satan. And then the next chapter, they go up on the mountain, and a voice comes from heaven and says, you see him? You need to start listening to him. Because you have all these ideas. You're going to build shelters. You're going to protect him from the Romans. And, but what you really need to do is just listen to what he has to say, because there's things that are true that you're not getting. You're rushing past them. So Peter learned this lesson that when you see the mighty works of God, then you press in and listen of God. And that's what he leaves the people in Acts 2. And actually, I think Peter learned a lesson. When God shows up in power, he has something to communicate to us. And then, finally, um, the fourth way that we might position ourselves to experience the presence of God is to repent. The text says that in both Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3. It's almost the same words. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then Acts chapter 3, kind of the conclusion or the appeal to the sermon, also in verse 19, uses the word repent. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So when they are convicted of the truth of God, the consistent appeal is repent. That means turn to God. And times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. Now, as was mentioned in our children's story, God is omnipresence. He is everywhere at once. His presence is here. There is never a moment that I am not in God's presence. Do you believe that? But there are many times that I'm not aware of God's presence, or I'm not enjoying God's presence, or I'm not glorifying God's presence, or pursuing his presence. I'm still there, but I'm living as if I didn't really realize I was. So repentance is turning to God to welcome the presence that's there all along. That's what is communicated in Revelation 3 when the words of Jesus say, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and, and be with him. He's there. He's right there. Repentance is welcoming him in even though he's been there the whole time. And it shouldn't really be a surprise if I'm, when it says repent and turn to God, if I'm turning towards all the things that are not God, well, I shouldn't be surprised when I'm not experiencing his presence. If I'm consistently turning my back on God, I shouldn't feel surprised when God seems distant in my life. So his appeal to us, whether it's your very first time or is if you, you repent every day, it's consistent. You want to experience God's presence? Pause right now. And turn your heart to Jesus. You're not going to experience 
the awareness of God's presence if you're walking away from him. Turn your heart to Jesus. And that, to me, is so exciting. It, it says, repent, and you'll be, your sins will be blotted out, and times of refreshing will come from the Lord. I love to think of all the wonderful things I might do in this life. I'd love to travel and see all the beautiful things, swim in warm ocean water, and like all these thrilling, refreshing things. That scripture tells me that in the moment, in a spiritual decision to turn from God, I can have a deeper refreshing right now than any earthly thing could afford. My heart can be more alive in this moment, in a, in a church where I'm hot, wearing a black suit. I can be more alive right now by saying, God, I want to give you my whole heart. Pour out your spirit in my life. That can be more refreshing than any other thing. Like, it's available to each one of us. The presence of God is big and beautiful and thrilling, and I don't have words to describe it, but a decision to turn to him in every one of our hearts could lead us, position us for his presence where times of refreshing come from. So if you've seen some great wildlife photography, there's some good pictures. There's some thrilling, like, perfectly focused, big, awesome animals. And maybe it's a little safer to look at the picture than be in person, but what is true of all of them is that the picture is not nearly as thrilling as the presence. And with God, you could leave here with a picture of God. I hope you do. But since he's willing to knock at the door and invite us to open it and come in and be with us and refresh us and restore us, I would feel a great shame to settle for a picture when he wants to be present. So we're going to have a privilege of listening to some beautiful music right now, um, inviting us into God's presence. Our 10 weeks of summer has come to a conclusion. I hope God is restoring your soul. And there is no place you'll find restoration more than in his presence. So you've thought about ways you might position your life. How could you redirect your thoughts, uh, reprioritize your schedule, change up your routine to position yourself in the presence of God? And I just invite you to make that a one-on-one -on -one conversation right now for the next few minutes with God. What could you do to be in a position to experience his presence? So make this a time prayer.